Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Think what you may about the military, but the truth is they hire better than you. They developed a refined process that over time has ultimately uncovered those individuals who exemplify the core values that are critical to the success of the organization and the mission. A strong commitment to we before me, which is what your company needs. Today is about lessons learned from special forces that you can apply to your company to ensure that you're hiring the people who also share your company's core values. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business leaders win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Michael Sorale, founder and CEO of EF Overwatch, and George Randall, the managing partner of EF Overwatch and head of global talent acquisition for Forcepoint. Mike is a former recon Marine and retired U.S. Navy SEAL officer with 20 years experience in special operations, including elite joint special operations command. George is also a former U.S. Army Army officer, and he heads up global talent acquisition for Forcepoint, which is a human-centric cybersecurity company. George also has more than two decades of experience in talent acquisition at Fortune 100 and 1000 firms, which is what makes George and Michael the perfect guests for today's topic. Guys, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, it's good to be on. Thank you so much. It's great to have Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Mike, did I pronounce your last name right? Absolutely not. Sorelli. <laughs> Sorelli. Okay. That's my one botch up for today. So I get a free pass on that one. Yeah, you do. Perfect. So today we're going to discuss why it's critical for values to align with the mission. And then we're going to talk about how to model military special forces, which you guys have a ton of experience with in hiring talent. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Love it. Can we all agree that core business problems can be traced back to people problems? (laughs) Yeah. Every problem's a leadership problem. Every problem can be solved with talent. That's just how it goes. Knowing this, why do entrepreneurs, why do we set ourselves up for failure by hiring the wrong people? I don't think it's just entrepreneurs. I think it's everybody. Not knowing what success looks like, over-rotating on experience when experience isn't necessarily predictive of success. It is sometimes. And not focusing on the character attributes that drive success. And that's what, when Mike and I wrote this book, that's the thing. It's the character attributes that matter. They matter to special operations and they should matter to your company. George hit it on the nose. The fact with entrepreneurs is a bad hire is amplified. If you have a team of four and you make a bad hire, it's very noticeable where maybe it's a sage within a larger corporation where the impacts are not as negative. But with entrepreneurs, they're so focused on setting the foundation from a probably sales or revenue standpoint that they overlook the importance of every single person you bring on because startups have traditionally a very high attrition rate. Yeah. One of the things we talked about prior to the show in our prep calls, we talked a little bit about how companies are terrible at hiring. They just are. It's. I look at interviews and I talk to CEOs all the time, and I'm sure you guys do too, where my God, their interview process is scary. It's almost like a Burger King interview. It's no different than that. So George, I've got to tell this story. Go Somebody called me on Monday who I consider a mentor and he 
is in charge of one of the largest recruiting firms within a niche in the nation. And he said, hey, Mike, I picked up your book, thought I was just going to merely keep it on the bedstand and read it over the course of a month. He's like, I crushed it within two days. You guys wrote about everything that the business world does wrong. And we all hate making sweeping accusations. He said 99% of businesses get this wrong. Oh, yeah. All we did was try to show one model, a highly successful model, which is called special operations and how they run their assessment selection, give it to businesses and some will listen and some will dismiss us because we're former military officers, yet we both have extensive business experience. You know the difference, Rick, between the Burger King drive through and corporate hiring practices? <laughs> I feel like this is a good joke here. The drive through experience at Burger King is standardized. That's true. It's systematized. You know yeah. exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get it your way, but you're going to get what you order, generally speaking, and your error rate's going to be very, very low. You look at any hiring, it doesn't matter. It's not standardized. They don't know what success looks like. And like Mike and I talk about in the book, it's many times getting a butt in a seat because I got headcount, I got budget, I got something to do. Oh my God, let's get somebody in the role. That's scary. Because like you said, if you're a small company, four people, you're going to feel it. You can absorb it in a thousand person company. True. That's a true statement, but you can't outrun the collateral cost of a bad hire at any level when you think about it. And I'll be the first one to admit, and a lot of people hate me say it, the people who get it wrong most often are executives when they're hiring other executives. They actually do. You make a bad hire at the executive level, it's everything. And you're going to see it in revenue. You're going to see it in product R&D, customer support, everything. Not to mention not be able to sleep at night. Oh yeah, you'd be grinding <laughs> your teeth. But Mike and I have seen it so much. I have too. I see it all the time. I replace a lot of executives with the same problem. It's clear when you go in and you meet with these people that, and they're good people too. The problem is they're just clearly not a match for the organization. Oh yeah. You can get right person, wrong role or get it reversed. That's the genius about special operations that Mike's got so much experience in is they know what success looks like. How many people going out to hire actually know what that looks like? And special operations does it better than anybody else. And they're not satisfied with it either. It can always be done better. To that point. Yes, exactly. Rick is it didn't get there overnight. The yeah. special operations assessment and selection for the business world assessment selection is our hiring process. Same thing. You say tomato, we say tomato. So it is over a century and a half old. That process is over a century and a half old. It is the longest behavioral interview in the world. And yet we still get it wrong time to time. And that's why I can guarantee you right now, there are people sitting around the table questioning the way we assess and select talent into one of the most high-performing organizations in the world, the US special operations community, and how to make it better. Some of the data that I pulled up back a few months ago was that just as a normal hire without a hiring process, you've got a 51% chance of making a bad hire. I would imagine the military has got it probably quite a bit higher than that. You're probably sitting at what, like 70, 80%, 90%? For bad hire? Yeah, what somebody makes it through the vetting. I would say our bad hire rate is extremely low. I can't yeah. put a percentage on it, but you start with 250 absolute amazing human beings, men and women that had to even pass certain thresholds to get into the training. And the attrition rate on average is about 85%. Sometimes you've seen SEAL classes that started with 250 and only end with 10, sometimes with 40. But a lot of those go on to be high-performing individuals. Yeah, is there a bad hire amongst a bunch? Always. Well, let's talk a little bit about the cost of a bad hire because you gave me some numbers when we talked, Mike, based on some of you guys' data. Knock it home if you can. What's the cost of a bad hire for a company? Here's the reason. And a lot of business leaders can't put a concrete number to a bad hire because there's indirect costs, which could be cost 
to your reputation. If you had a bad hire representing your organization that maybe soured customers, maybe they toxic, they poisoned the culture, maybe other solid leaders that were below that bad leader left the organization. Those are indirect costs. Direct costs, we've seen as little as 213% of the executive's total annual compensation. So if you were paying an executive 300,000 a year, cost of the organization would be around $630,000. We've seen estimates as high as 15 times wow. their total annual compensation. Again, the higher the level of the bad hire, the more negative impacts it had on that organization. Beyond that, bad leadership, bad leadership, which is the number one cause of attrition, bad leadership also leads to employee disengagement. And Gallup estimated that employee disengagement is $3,400 for every $10,000 of salary you pay one of your employees. So again, if you're paying one of your employees $30,000, that's close to $10,000 in lost time and productivity for your company. Which look at, quite frankly, I'm not complaining about that because it's good for us as talent acquisition <laughs> professionals. If you got bad leadership, we're going to be able to pull your A players out. That's very, very true. And no. good talent acquisition, good talent advisory firms. We know where the good people are. We know where the A players are and we're going to be looking for them and it's easy to snatch them out. But to add on to what Mike said, in today's technology age, if you're rolling out any kind of new product and you have a bad hire and that product R&D and rollout slows down, how long does it take A to catch up and then how far are you outdated? Sales is pretty easy. You hire a bad salesperson, you can see it and calculate it pretty quick. But product and service, what if you ruin your net promoter score? How long does it take you to get that back? What is it? Trust is gained in inches and lost in miles? Product development is actually the trickiest. That's really, oh, yeah. things can be hidden away from you. You can meet, oh God, mm-hmm. then having to find another, God forbid you're doing software development, you need software engineers. Those people oh, yeah. are tough to come by. And they're really tough to keep. And that was one of the things we buttoned up our book that you can't hire and fire your way to success. So you have to coach, mentor, train, and grow those people. And you have to create the right environment, the right culture that that top talent sticks and stays because losing software developers in the product development life cycle, that's a killer. In some startups for entrepreneurs, many times it's unrecoverable. Yeah. And it's on you. Yeah, You have nobody to blame but you, man. That's comes from the top down every time. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guests today are Michael Sorelli. Nailed it. You got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was, I was going to bail you out. And George Randall, they are both with EF Overwatch and we're discussing lessons learned from special forces. So let's talk a little bit about special forces and how we can implement this into a company. Give me the lessons that you guys have learned that our entrepreneurs or our audience can start to take these concepts and plug them into their business. It's not a series of check boxes. Hey, if we just do what special operations does and check these boxes, we're going to build a world-class talent acquisition process. It actually doesn't start there. It starts with the culture of special operations. It starts with the mindset. And this is what George and I talk about, the talent mindset, a foundational belief. Keyword foundational. You've got to believe this at your core, that the greatest strategic competitive advantage that any organization can ever hope to achieve is its people, exceptional people. What do we all want as a leader? As a true leader of an organization, a CEO, I want to be able to sit back knowing that I've got the right people whose values are aligned with the organization in mind, in the right position, solving problems at their levels and seizing opportunities as well. And that's the true definition of decentralized command. That's what makes special operations so great. We've known from the start that it's not the fancy equipment. We get the night vision goggle, the ballistic plates, the infrared technology that separates 
separates us from every other military in the world. And we are much better than every military in the world. What sets us apart is the exceptional people that we bring into the organization. People without industry experience. Yet what does the business world do? Over-index on yes. experience because it's objective. I can read and say, Rick Gerard went to Harvard. He had this GPA. He had five years of marketing experience. That experience can be both good and bad. Experience ultimately tells you where somebody has been. It doesn't give any sort of evidence as to how good I am or what I accomplished. It's scratching the surface on whatever I wrote down on a piece of paper, which may or may not be even correct. You go back to the special operations community. We understand no industry experience. They, by nature, had to become very good at hiring people for their potential, for the right characteristics and the right attributes. And the training is designed to push people to their physical and mental limits. So now, hey, we can't do this in the business world. Please do not take your people down to the local lake and get them wet and sandy. It ends up in a uh, litigious environment. Strap them up with apply, guns. You can't apply pressure in an interview process. And the reason we do that is when somebody is pushed to their pressure-filled limit, that's when true character starts to emerge. And ultimately, we know in the business world, you're not operating in a safe space. You're operating in an environment where COVID is hit. You can no longer have your team in an office collaborating. You're going to have to transition situational leadership to a remote environment. And very few people can succeed in that environment. So you're looking for potential, not experience. Yeah. There's this weird trend though, that it's supposed to be a safe environment and you don't want to be pushing people to an uncomfortable break point, especially when they're interviewing. If that uh, person breaks pretty quickly. Well, I, it's not my intention, it. but some people end up relatively stressed when I'm done talking with them. One of the other things from special operations too, and to tie back earlier is that experience isn't necessarily predictive of future success. And one of the great things that special operations, and we learned this from some, a contributor to our book, what the U.S. Army Special Operations did, Special Forces, was once somebody meets minimum requirements, as a very basic example, you have to do 10 pull-ups to move through this. 20 was not necessarily more predictive of success. So once they met that initial gate, that gate closed. And that's where that interviewing, where people go and get the same question from interviewer to interviewer to interviewer. Once you've met the basic minimum requirements, because Mike and I aren't telling you to take an intern and make him a CEO. We're not saying that. There's got to be some experience and some gate there. But once that gate closes and they've met that gate, then start evaluating the character attributes of the person. That's special operations has just nailed that. I'm a big fan of Gino Wickman's traction, where he talks about people and he goes into, you want to hire people to get it, they want it, and they have the capacity to do it. So they don't actually have to have the experience doing it. They have to have the capacity to actually execute the job. When you're talking about hiring for potential, that's key. You're giving somebody the opportunity to grow in their career. People want to do well at work. They want to do well for you, but they don't want to go do the same thing that they've been doing in their current company again for maybe a smaller, a lateral paycheck. There's no incentive. One of the attributes that we brought to that point when you're evaluating people, one of the attributes, now Mike and I, we surveyed all of the special operations units and they all, and Mike, if I get the description wrong, you can kill me later, but it's like everybody in special operations is looking for ice cream, but everybody has their own little flavor. But when we boiled this down to nine, one of those things was effective intelligence, the ability to solve problems where no book solution existed. And that's one of the great things when you're looking at potential of people, the people that have the ability in their space to look at all of the data points, bring those together and bring a solution in advance towards a solid solution for the organization. It's one of the really important attributes of hiring people. So being able to Google it. Yeah, it's only <laughs> going to get you so far. But I'm you know kidding. what? If that's part of it, absolutely. Somebody that's smart enough to go, okay, hey, I don't understand this portion of it. Let me go learn all that I can. That's the learning agility that we also talk about in the book. People have to have that. You said something earlier about experience doesn't necessarily mean somebody's going to be successful. 
Are you talking about the level of experience or the quality of the experience that they've had? Yes. Oh, ultimately, how you evaluate experience is by the person's response. To show, one, they demonstrate high humility. The experience should tell a story, one that demonstrates a lot of humility and a lot of reflection and actually identifies what they've learned and how they've changed as a leader, a more effective leader. George, the three buckets that you talk about is one, you ask a question, tell me about a time you failed. The person says, oh, you know, I really can't think of one. Boom. Instant lack of humility. They go into that bucket. The second bucket is, yeah, I've had some bad things happen in my life, but I didn't really learn anything. So one shows you a lack of humility and a lack of reflection or ability to contextualize things that happen then actually apply them to future problems. And the third is the person that can explain all the failures in their life, what they've learned and how it's sharpened them into a better leader. And you're looking for that third bucket. So if a high level exec who's experienced a lot of success in life just comes and wants to talk about himself and not his failures and just tell you about their success, reeking of arrogance, that's a danger. That's a red flag to me that that needs to be observed. You bring up a really good point because what you're doing is you're, you're having a conversation and digging under the hood, really getting an understanding of how somebody ticks. If somebody spends a lot of time and explains to you exactly how they approach these things, then it puts you in a position where you're a lot more comfortable with making the hire. Yeah, you understand the mindset of a person and you know their reasoning skills, how they process through things. I did this content episode and I called it the dark side of employee referrals, which was nepotism. And then that's the one, the executives, I want you to find somebody with this many years of experience from our competitor and they naturally say, oh, that means we're going to win in our space by pulling them over. And corporate America is littered with executive failures that were successful in one environment, not successful in the other. I've had numerous CEOs on this show that have talked about, I call them vanity hires, where they had to pull somebody out of Google or some other place like that. And it's been the worst hire 90% of the time that they ever made. They actually bring it up. I chased this guy for months. We paid him a lot more money Mm -hmm. than we needed to. And three months later, the person was gone. They weren't that good. They weren't that good. (laughs) Or they were such a horrible leader that even if they brought a high degree of skill. Well, I believe that they just weren't positioned correctly. They're not the type of person that would thrive in the environment of a startup. They do better in a large company environment. They're used to a certain amount of resources and everything else. And positioning is key too. Somebody will tell you exactly where they want to be. You just did hit it too with experiences. Sometimes people, a lot of times just end up on a series of teams that had great leaders that were going to drive those teams to success. It doesn't necessarily mean that because they have 10 years of marketing experience and they were on some good marketing teams that they were necessarily responsible for those results. That's true. A tip off that I found is that when people start talking in terms of we rather than what I did, you have to dig into the hood because sometimes people are team oriented. But when you go specifically, what did you do? People flounder at that quite a bit when they didn't really do very much. We actually have to break veterans of that. We call that the humility index because it is such a team oriented environment. But we know these leaders, we know these leaders made hard decisions on the battlefield and we got to get them to say I because they sort of view I as a dirty word. But I absolutely agree. If they can't explain the situations that they were dealt, what decisions they made, how they orientated their respective teams and drove results, then there's something there to be explored. Yeah, very true. We're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you give the audience so they can plug into their business today? I know the first one's a requirement that I tell everybody I can because I think it came out of me. We boiled it down outside of a talent mindset. You should be treating your human capital with the same discipline, rigor, and focus as you do your your financial capital. Do that. Say that again. Say that again. Yes, there we go. You should be treating your human capital with the same discipline, rigor, and focus as you do your financial capital. So very true. And that's such a back burner thing. Oh, I can't tell you the number of times I've gone blind. Matter of fact, just a quick short story. I remember being at a quarterly business review and I happened to have a Sharpie with me and I made sure to write D 
DNR on the back of my badge, which for do not resuscitate, that if I went dead from PowerPoint slides, don't resuscitate me. <laughs> but nobody in their right mind is ever going to do a QBR that's based on human capital. What's QBR? Quarterly business review. Got it. When okay. you're looking at all of your metrics, you're not doing that with your human capital no. as a very practical example for companies. And how many times, God, Mike could probably would go blind with the number of times he's assessed and reassessed and reshuffled his team to make sure he's mission ready all the time. George, I just want to remind you, I told you never drop that line until you go after me because that is hard to follow. Again, when you treat your human capital with the same amount of discipline, rigor, and focus as your financial capital, things start to change. The only thing I would say on top of that, which pretty much is regurgitating it, is if you get the people part right, everything else falls into place. Again, Rick, how many top MBA programs there, or any MBA program for that fact, teaches a track in human resources and talent? And the answer is a big goose egg. Business leaders are not trained for this. That's okay. If you get a great chief people officer or a great CA HRO that understands the people part and is a strategic force for your company, then you're going to move a lot differently than your competition. I disagree with you there. I think it's a leader's responsibility to learn it and get good at it. You can outsource it to a chief people officer, but you still have to be the one driving it. You have to understand. We agree. We agree 100%, which is the whole thing behind the talent mindset. And what we were hoping to do in some ways, because when you're writing a book, they tell you what is success. This is closing a blind spot for a lot of leaders. And we all know the C-suite, everybody, including us, we have our blind spots and we are trying to close that down, whether that's for a small, medium or a large business, fill that blind spot, educate them on the power of people. And that's what makes special operations special is the people. Rick, we're not disagreeing with you there. The job of the leader is to make strategic decisions that can't be in one lane. I think we're saying the same thing. It was just a different perspective. As a battalion commander on the battlefield, I have to have platoon commanders within their respective functions leading those functions. I cannot be the battle leader at all points or multiple points on a battlefield. David and CEO. I totally understand. Shoot, guys, we're just about out of time for today's show. I want to thank you so much for your time investment today and welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. What would be the best way in which members of the audience could reach you, find your book, all that good stuff? Anywhere books are sold, The Talent War, How Special Operations and Great Organizations Went on Talent. I know most people just go to Amazon. You can find us at EF Overwatch. Again, we are an executive search firm, but more importantly, we're a talent advisory that will come in and actually set up your companies for success on the talent side. Perfect. Well, I want to thank this week's audience for tuning in to this episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. And we're listening and we're just trying to make it better every day. Join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Molly McGrath. Molly is the founder of Hiring and Empowering Solutions. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Gerard.